Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast today. I'm lucky enough to be joined by Devon Givens, the pre and post game host for the Philadelphia 76ers on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia to preview the Knicks Atlantic Division rival, get his thoughts on former Villanova product Jalen Brunson, and see if the Sixers could have interest in trading for Derrick Rose or Evan Fournier this season. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and I want to thank you for joining Locked On Knicks and listening to Locked On Knicks today and every day, and for making us your first listen. We are available on YouTube and all the platforms where you can find your podcast, so if you haven't already, please, 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 throw us a subscription on YouTube, throw us a subscription uh, wherever you get uh, Locked On Knicks, uh, it makes a, makes a big difference to us, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Schull, a play-by-play broadcaster. Um, I will not be joined by Alex Wolf, but you can check out all of his work. He is the editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. Um, they are available on social media at thestrick.land. And as mentioned in the teaser, we are joined by Devon Givens, a, a man with a million jobs, does some work for Sixers.com, hosts their pre- and post-game coverage on 97.5. The Fanatic also hosts a four-hour radio show daily in the Philadelphia area. So if you're in the Philadelphia area, you should check it out because as you can hear on this podcast, uh, he is tremendous at what he does, has a lot of thoughts on the Sixers. And uh, in turn, um, because he does such a thorough job covering the team and a league and the league as a whole, he knows a whole lot about the Knicks as well. So we chat about Philly. We chat about the Knicks. We chat about what those matchups could be like. Uh, without further ado, let's get into it right now on Locked On Knicks. As promised, we are joined by the host of the Locked On 76ers podcast, Devon Gibbons. Uh, Devon, uh, w- welcome onto the show. Uh, congratulations on a fantastic offseason for your Sixers. And that's where I want to start. I mean, what, what's what's the vibe around the team, around the fan base right now? After that second round loss to the Heat, where obviously you guys weren't fully healthy, uh, James Harden wasn't necessarily playing his best basketball, but this is a team that is fully reloaded heading into next season. Yeah, thanks, Gavin, for having me on. I really appreciate it. The vibe here locally in the city is one of of of, of happiness as far as how they approach the offseason and what they needed to do to uh, put this team together and have the depth that they've added on this team, make them deeper, make them tougher, which was a a big concern for Sixer fans over these last couple of seasons that they lacked that toughness. And Doc Rivers, Dal Morey openly spoke about it. So that was something good to hear, knowing that the Sixer fans do, in fact, talk about that uh, as these games are played. But uh, there's cautious optimism uh, when it comes to this team, because, as you said, the offseason was fantastic as far as what they did by putting the team together. But Sixer fans and here in the media, we have been, oh, since they've been in the playoffs the last five years, two second round exits, the one first round exit was in the bubble. That's where that's where it is for the 76ers and their fan base. Second round is great. The 50 plus wins in the regular season, that's a, uh, that's a, a, a standard at this point. Not surprising, of course. 
that's expected. It's now about getting out of the second round. So while everyone is excited about what they did, putting the team together, how James Harden approached the offseason himself and helping the team out by putting things together, he, you know, he it's it's really about the second round. So everyone will be locked in for the start of the season. Everyone will be locked in for the regular season, but it's about the second round. So it's just cautious optimism because they want to see them advance deeper into the postseason. Yeah, and I, I'm, that, that, that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting as well. And you, you can obviously hope for a jump from Harden. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure like uh, Sixers fans probably everywhere have sky high expectations for Tyrese Maxey, but it, it all comes back to Joel Embiid at the end of the day. And it, it sounds weird saying this as a Knicks fan, but perhaps the, the most disrespected superstar in the sport. Um, I mean, he, he was he was deservedly for, for most of last season right there with Nikola Jokic for the second year in a row in that MVP conversation. Um, the way he continues to get better and better and better each year is, is kind of astounding because you you think like, wow, this guy, he's, he's, he's a top five player. And then he comes back the season after and he's added even more to his game. His face up attacks even better. His post moves are even better. He's even stronger. Is there still another step in there? Is, is it as simple as him being healthy in, in the postseason? Because to, to me, that that's really the only thing that stopped him throughout his career. If you saw the second round matchup against the Miami Heat, where he didn't play until game three, when he returned back here in Philadelphia, as the series shifted from Miami back here in town, they won game three and four. And it was really because of what he did. Yes, the home court advantage helped out. The fans are fantastic. They get behind the team especially in the postseason, but it was because he was on the floor. His presence was felt, and that's why they were able to even up that series and unfortunately losing it in six. But, yeah, he, at this point, the only thing that he can now add to his game, of course, there are always little things he can add to his overall basketball game between the lines uh, for the uh, 94 feet. But for, for him, it is about the health in the playoffs because that has what that is part of the reason why have they, they have not been able to advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals, where I felt like they should have at least gotten there three of the five years that they've been in the postseason, knocking out in the second round. So for him, it, it really is about just simply staying healthy, being healthy. And it's not his fault. You know, this is the freak issues, freak situations that popped up in the postseason where he has gone down. The facial fracture by an elbow in the final game and the final minutes as it's waning down. I mean, who could have predicted that? The, the thumb issue with the torn ligament playing through that. So two of both of those and then the facial fracture going into the start of the Miami series put them behind. And many people, myself included, had them actually beating the Miami Heat, even though they were the top seed uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs, because I felt like they matched up better with them versus Milwaukee or Boston, who they would have eventually seen in the Eastern Conference finals. So health is super important when it comes to Joel Embiid and the success of this team overall. Where, where do you think the relationship is at between him and Ben Simmons? Or not Ben Simmons, him and, him and James Harden. I was going to say, obviously, the his, his last yeah, co-star. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. That, that, that would have been a year ago on this podcast. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting, right? Because obviously, when when Harden first came in, it was it, it seemed like there was this excitement there, just in that he so wasn't Simmons. I mean, you went from someone who was totally unwilling to shoot a three to someone who was unwilling to shoot less than fifteen per hundred possessions, right? Who who's not afraid to fire it up? Who who is? I mean, similar to Simmons, a genius level passer throughout the regular season. I'm I'm pretty sure they finished the year as the top pick and roll combo in the NBA statistically. 
Um, and then in the postseason and, and, and towards the, the final stretch of that regular season, um, the, the wheels started to come off a little bit with Harden in terms of his conditioning. I know he said this offseason he wasn't healthy enough to put in the work that he normally did, but he, he so clearly lacked that explosiveness. And it feels like Embiid is is such a talent, but he he needs that, I mean, like anyone in the NBA, that second guy to help get him to that conference finals, help get him to that NBA championship. Do you think he has confidence in James Harden? Does James Harden have confidence in Joel Embiid? Does he acknowledge that Embiid's the guy on this team and, and his role is just sort of to, to push him to that next level? James Harden does recognize that this is Joel Embiid's team. Now, he may go about it a little bit differently as far as uh, being more vocal, where Joel Embiid is that, that quiet superstar who just goes about his business and has has taken on the, the, the lead a little bit more than he has in the past of being one of the leaders and being a little more outspoken. But yeah, they get along from by all accounts, they get along very well. Uh, we see them working out in the offseason together a little bit. Uh, they talk openly about their pick and roll, which is, as you mentioned, Gavin, one of the toughest things for people to guard when it comes to those two players on the floor. And it was free flowing when James Harden first got here. He didn't know a lot of the plays. And with that, they were just playing basketball, just simple stuff. And, and it worked out. It was more of when uh, things started to slow down a little bit, implementing some of the plays and teams also getting some some of the things that they were doing successfully on film to try to slow it down where it went the other way. So uh, they, they seem to get along well uh, they're, they're, as a tandem. They, they work very, very well together. And we, we saw uh, the results of it with their pick and roll covers, the fact that the double team is coming there, James Harden. Uh, making plays, not only passing the basketball, but finishing at the rim when Embiid is seeing at double and triple team at times, I think they'll be fine. And what is really important for me, and they've openly talked about it, Doc Rivers also, is that they do have James Harden from the start of, of training camp. Uh, training camp through preseason into the regular season, totally different when you add a player during the trade deadline and we've seen it happen successfully for a lot of people and the Sixers had a little bit of success with it but now uh, I think when we look at this one recognizing the extension of the point guard from the head coach Doc Rivers to James Harden and the superstar that Joel Embiid is it's so much better having James Harden from the very beginning where they can implement things from the very start James Harden understands everything about the offense and they know how they want to go about things as they get underway uh, on October 18th. All right, guys, we'll be back with Devon in just a sec. But first, if you want to throw some money down, either the Knicks or the Sixers this season, there's only one spot to do it. It's betonline.net. They are your number one source for football betting info this year. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. And they're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And they have NBA futures odds. So uh, in honor of our guest today, Devon Givens, uh, maybe go throw some money down on the Philadelphia 76ers plus 325 to win the Atlantic Division. The Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets have much more favorable odds, but Given the Ime Adoka situation, given everything going on in Brooklyn, I think Philly might just be the safest bet of those three. So I, I'm, I might head to bet online and put some money down. The second I finish reading this ad, all you have to do to join me is head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. That's where the game starts. How, how do you feel about Harden on an individual level? Because it, it, it's so easy to forget. But w- when he came to the Brooklyn Nets a year and a half ago, he sure. was, despite the 
genuinely like kind of like, I mean, at least, at least in basketball terms, horrific way he got out of Houston and just how down people were on him after that. People were talking about him as an MVP candidate and rightfully so. I think he was, he was operating as one of the three to five best players on planet earth. And, and, and you saw him be able to take a slight step back as a scorer and, and someone who for years, the question around him was, all right, he's incredible in Houston, but if, if it's not a totally heliocentric offense, if, if he's not orchestrating everything, can he st- kind of slide back into a role somewhere in between what he did in Oklahoma City and, and what he was doing in Houston? And on the Nets, I, I think he answered that, and people were like, wow, this guy this guy is sort of who we thought he was. And if he hadn't gotten hurt that postseason, who knows? Maybe we're talking about NBA champion James Harden. And maybe he's still a net and Ben Simmons is still a sixer, but it didn't go that way. And then he was just, he, he just, he looked like someone who aged five years in, in the span of one last season. Um, do, do you buy into what he said about, you know, I just, I never really had a chance to adjust or get healthy. And, and it, it's been, it's been clear that he's put a whole lot of work into proving that narrative wrong this offseason. Seen him on Monday. Uh, he looks great. He he really does. I had a chance to speak with him briefly and I just stand there and talk to him. And not that I was also sitting there just, you know, checking out his physique to see how good. <laughs> but he's just, out like a tape measure. Just right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you can just tell when players look a little bit different than they were a year before. And he certainly does. He looks like he's in much better shape. We saw the videos and we try not to get into the video thing too much in the offseason here just because of how all of the Simmons things went for so many summers but he he really does look good they don't use the excuse of the hamstring they even said it during the postseason that hey you know he's healthy okay they don't use it as an excuse but there may have been something there and for the first offseason he had an opportunity to attack the offseason get healthy change his diet as he said recently a little bit and uh, approach things differently now at the age of 33, where it may have been different at the age of 27 while still with the Houston Rockets doing what he was doing. So he understands that he had to change things. And now we just have to wait and see what those results are. As far as uh, where he is, and to your point of the Brooklyn Nets, James Harden, they still believe that he can be that type of player in adjusting his game and allowing it to be Joel Embiid's team, which we all know it is. But in doing so, he can still be an all-star level player and and that's where they need him to be. They need him to be that all-star level player that can still take over a game. If need be the burst wasn't there. Like you talked about Gavin, Uh, the shots were flat at at times. Yes, that is age. But again, when you talk about those types of moves that James Harden was so accustomed to seeing for so many years of his career, that could also mean there was a bit of a, a hangover there with the hamstring that prevented him from having that lift on his jump shot, from preventing him to having that lift and that burst to getting to the basket and finishing at the rim. He was getting by players last season while here with the Sixers. His issue was finishing once they closed out and could not uh, get the shot off like we're so uh, used to seeing him for so many years in a spectacular way. The one thing, and if anybody's listened to this that has heard me talk about this, whether it's on my radio show, or uh, on any of the platforms here on on Locked On, 76ers, yours, or or Locked On NBA, whatever it might be, that um, my issue was we are so used to seeing him absorb the contact, finish second. That's how good he was. Yeah. Last season, it wasn't there. 
So what I thought he should have done was look to finish first. The contact is going to get there, take it, finish, and get to the free throw line after that. Worry about making it first and, and get that three-point play. Uh, so basically in reverse of what we were so accustomed to seeing him doing for so many years. And again, I, maybe that was a lift thing. I'm not trying to make an excuse for him because it was infuriating a lot of times. And, and you know, I had to talk about it. I do the post-game show uh, here in Philadelphia with a flagship station for the 76ers. And yeah, we, I, I would be livid at, at times because I'm like, yo, what are you doing? And then you're complaining to the officials. And now they're going the other way with a, a numbers advantage going on the fast break opportunity and open floor. And, and at times it would be a, a little troubling. And, and we saw that we, we had a good game from him in the second round against the Miami Heat. And then the last two, he didn't look like, I mean, he took two shots, I believe, in the second half yeah. of game six. So, so yeah, he has to be better. And I, I think he recognizes it. Right now, the vibes are good. He's talking the good stuff. Doc Rivers is. So, so many others. And, you know, the one-on-ones that I was able to have with so many players and the players specifically who played with James Harden in the past in Houston in, in the previous stop, they just talk about how special he is and how locked in he is right now. So all we can do now, Gavin, is wait and see how it eventually uh, takes to the floor. Feels crazy to say this, but if Harden cannot regain that form, the, the the man next to Joel Embiid, who will be most responsible in shaping the Sixers' fate, is Tyrese Maxey, who, uh, I mean, and Knicks fans know it because he torched us a couple of times last year. Well, one of the most scintillating young talents in the NBA. Some of the Knicks were actually targeting in that, um, I think it was the 2020 draft, um, and obviously they ended up with his teammate, Emmanuel. So that, that's worked out pretty well, but not to the level that Maxey has in Philadelphia. Do you see a potential all-star season from him this year? Is, is he ready to make that kind of leap? I think he's ready to make a leap. I don't know if it's an all-star leap only because of the fact that there are so many guards in the Eastern Conference that will, number one, you're going to have the two that will be um, selected by the fans in the voting. And then there are so many from now adding uh, Malcolm Brogdon to the Boston Celtics, Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers, DeJounte Murray, uh, another uh, two all-stars right there, DeJounte Murray to the Atlanta Hawks. And then you have Trey Young there, Darius Garland there in, in, yeah. um, in Cleveland, the guards that are in Miami. So it, it, there's no that's no knock on him. That's just uh, of him being potentially the second, third scorer on his team behind Joel Embiid and James Harden. So whatever way you want to flip that. And then the addition, once again, of all these other players that may have more volume during the first half of the season before the All-Star break, where it may go against them in terms of an All-Star nod. So, I mean, look at Tobias Harris, who I thought, I think it was the last it was the last season of Ben Simmons, where it was 2021, when mm -hmm. they were the number one seed. I thought Tobias Harris was an All-Star that first half of the season. Ben Simmons ultimately got the coach's vote. So you understand how it is when you have numbers and then the next year, Tobias Harris, who is the second option behind Joel Embiid, doesn't even sniff an all-star. So um, Tyrese Maxey, he's ready for that moment. Again, 17, 18 points on average a season ago, thrust into that role with, with the Ben Simmons issue that the Sixers had. And he did really well, improved his three-point shooting uh, from uh, mid-30s to high, uh, low 40s, 41 41%. And I don't know if he can keep that up, but uh, the confidence will certainly be there. I think he'll take a numbers jump as far as his average goes from that 17, 18 into the 20s. How much of that will be all-star worthy? I, I can't say because I do think that uh, some others will have an opportunity 
when you look at so many guards in the East where they will probably get that nod. But as far as the Sixers go, he will, in fact, in my opinion, he works. He will take that jump. Yeah, I would say all-star berth or not, he's he's very high up there just in, in terms of fun yeah. rankings. He's he's one of one of the most I I I I will stick with Sixers games for w- way longer than they're interesting, just just in the hopes Maxi does something absolutely crazy. Um I, I guess all, all that yes, too, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, some yeah. of the uh, the one-legged three hit like uh, yeah, he's he's nuts. Um, but yeah. I, I guess I guess given all that, given the offseason additions of uh, PJ Tucker, DeAnthony Melton, I, I I thought one of the one of the best moves. He, he was a guy that Philly was my been, favorite one. Yeah, they've they've been missing someone like that, right? For this whole Embiid run off, like either it's it's a pure shooter off the bench, or it's someone who's like a little bit better at getting towards the rim, a little bit better defensively. But they haven't been able to find the guy who has all those attributes. And, and and to me, Melton Melton is that Swiss Army knife that you need. I kind of think just because they were maybe the deepest team in the NBA, he was a little bit underutilized in Memphis. But you you watch that postseason, him like some of the work he did against the Timberwolves. Like he's someone who could come in and it, I, it wouldn't shock me if he's clear it in a way the fourth most important sixer next year. So when the deal went down, people know who DeAnthony Melton is. Uh, went down on draft night trading the uh, pick that the Sixers had in the 20s along with Danny Green to acquire DeAnthony Melton. And a lot of people were like, OK, cool, this is good. But and I'm like, guys, this first of all, it's only the first move. And when you look at his improvement from his Phoenix Suns days to start off his career to Memphis, where he really had to you know, carve out a niche there and and really play well. So not only is he, as we know, uh, with him defensively as a guy, we know that as a really good defensive uh, player out there and can play both positions. He's also someone who improved his offensive game. And what they want around here is, is players who can knock down shots when those double teams occur for Joel Embiid, and when all the attention shifts to James Harden, and now even Tyrese Maxey, to your point, Tobias Harris also, for players that can knock down shots. And he has improved his game so much over these these few years where he is now a piece that I believe that will be an integral part of what he can do. I think he's going to be their sixth man because of his versatility at the guard position. And even though he's 6'2", 6'3", he has a 6'8", wingspan, and he can really disrupt and cause chaos and bust up some some plays, some actions for the opposing team. And when you look at all the guards, as we just talked about, Gavin, in the Eastern Conference, you're going to need multiple guys who can defend. So when you think about a lineup of, let's just say, Melton, Thibel, who's probably going to come off the bench right now to start the season, and uh, P.J. Tucker, you keep him in there. Uh, let's say you throw in Daniel House or Paul Reed at, at the four with Joel Embiid at the five. Look at all the disruption that they could potentially have as a defensive lineup for however many minutes Doc Rivers and his coaching staff see fit in that particular game. The Anthony Melton was my favorite pickup. And when I talked to him the other day, Gavin, he just simply talked about, yes, it was disappointing, of course, the range of emotions leaving leaving Memphis. Yeah. But he was really excited looking at what the 76ers had, knowing coming in and playing. And we, he and I reflected back to a game where their only visit to Philadelphia where John Morant went off in the second half. Tyrese Maxey was matching him, Gavin, point for point. And a lot of that, uh, a lot of his assignment was Tyrese Maxey. And he's just excited to be here and knowing that he can be on the floor with Maxey, if need be, with Harden, if need be. Uh, Same with him running the point, because that has been some of the question, who's going to be the backup point guard? Well, he started a lot of games with John Morant out and, Uh, Taylor Jenkins decided to go with either Tyus Jones 
or the Anthony Melton. Melton started a lot and they were still winning. So I, I really like that move. I, I really do. And I think the team itself and Doc Rivers really loves that move also. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost I'm surprised they got him for the price they did, because I, I think every contender in the league could use a guy like DeAnthony Melton. Um, yeah. let, let's shift gears a little bit, though, because I, I know in terms of um, the race for the one seed in the East, the New York Knicks, not not really a threat to the Philadelphia 76ers. But the Knicks are a team. They obviously play four times a year and potentially if Philly has the kind of season they want to. That could be a first round matchup. In the playoffs, so just, Too many just look fans in the building and, and when they come here, man. Yeah. Too many, Too <laughs> yeah, many yeah, yeah. I know. I, you know, it's a little, it's a little more affordable than this in the MSG. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to Philly to go to a Knicks game sometimes. It's, it's, right. it's a little, it's, yeah. it's a lot, it's a lot more fun. Great place to play, too. Um, all that being said, um, what were your thoughts kind of looking from afar saying, all right, what are we going to get from the Knicks, a team that at least in the regular season gave us a, a little bit of trouble in some of those games a season ago? So, um, big Jalen Brunson fan. Uh, yeah. Seeing him throughout his entire collegiate career, uh, all, all three years at, at Villanova, and the player that he was starting as a true freshman on that championship team in 2016, um, all the way through 2018, where he was the National Player of the Year, and uh, just how good he was following his career, winning the Sixers because they had, I think they had two picks in the first round that year. Um, yeah, 2018 where they had two selections in the first round. Landry Shamit was the second one, Mikael Bridges being the first. And then they had some second round picks, but the Knicks, I mean, Dallas snatched them up early on in the second round. And locally, a lot of people were disappointed because they kept passing on Villanova products who just continue to go into the league and showcase their talents and become staples from all the way back to Josh Hart to everyone else thereafter, uh, where you keep, you keep passing on these players and seeing his development and we, at least here locally, believing that he can last in this league and th seeing what he did with Dallas and now going to, to New York, thrilled for him because of the contract, getting that, that, that long-term deal, uh, being a, a, a feature player on that team in the division. And sure, we'll get to see him a few times a year, but it didn't really do much as far as tipping the scale here where, as you pointed out, not really worried about uh, what the Knicks are going to do as far as uh, really challenging at the top of the Eastern Conference. What is going to happen with, with Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett? Who gets the ball? I mean, they're just watching from afar, Gavin, and you can tell me much better than so can the Knicks fans if they comment on this this conversation that we're having. It just seemed like a lot of frustration out on the floor of not knowing what to do or who's getting the ball. That player is getting too many touches. Why is the ball not coming back my way? And and that's that's just a recipe for disaster if, if you're not all on the same page buying in and sacrificing for your team. And right now, the way that they're currently constructed, while I think Jalen will make a big uh, difference on that basketball team, I just still don't see them right now as as a team that is going to. Yes, they were scared teams because they're going to play tough Tom Thibodeau squad and they have scorers in those three players that I just mentioned, but not enough, in, in my opinion, to crack that top six, honestly when you look at how deep the Eastern conference is. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely on the same page with you in that respect. There, there's this great stat. Um, Nikaias Duncan had it on the dunker spot yesterday. RJ Barrett and Julius Randle were the Knicks 18th most used pick and roll combination last year. And to me, that cuts to the heart of the issue is that there's very little synergy between the two. And, and it's a lot of, um, I mean, yeah, again, you'll be familiar from this from watching Ben Simmons, Joel and beat for you. It's a lot of your turn, my turn, let's separate these guys. Let's figure out ways they can kind of thrive. But through except, uh, except yeah. Simmons was unselfish where he wanted to pass the basketball. Right, right, right. He just didn't work the pick and roll well together. 
Yeah, and and I think RJ has that, and Julius is unselfish in a very specific way in that if he's allowed to feel the basketball, back down, draw a double team, a lot of times he'll throw a smart pass, but it's very plotting and it's it's very methodical. And I think RJ, um, and I, I, honestly, but most people watching the team, would prefer for them to be a little bit more quick hitting and have faster actions and have a little bit more flow to their offense, which I, I don't believe is a strength of Tom Thibodeau. But in, in his defense, this roster doesn't really lend itself to that kind of flow. Having the best point guard they've had maybe in the last 20 seasons, um, Stefan Marbury aside possibly, and Jalen Brunson could ease that a little bit. But I think they'll ultimately have to get off Julius Randle. And that, that's where most Knicks fans, the conclusion they've come to is, a lot of the veterans on this team, they're going to have to get off of it. Now, I, I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I don't think Philly would have a lot of interest in Randall. Uh, first, because of the cap implications, there, there'd have to be, uh, I think Tobias Harris would have to be dealt yeah. off in that trade, and he's a much better fit than Randall next to Embiid because of his shooting yeah. ability. Um, that being said, I think Evan Fournier and Derek Rose both can make a lot of sense on Philly. You say there's an opening there for a backup point guard. Rose was the Knicks best player two years ago. And that sounds weird to say in a season where Julius Randle made second team all NBA, but the on off statistics paint a picture of a guy who just completely changed the trajectory of the next season. Once he joined the roster and there's some question marks to who he is at this point after essentially missing all of last year, uh, injury issues that even put Joel Embiid's to shame um, the last uh, decade plus for him, unfortunately, but if he's anywhere close to that guy he was during that 2021 season, I think he's someone who can make a big difference on a contender. And then Evan Fournier, I think also gets a little bit of a bad rep around the league. He was a, a top 10 shooter in basketball last year. I don't think there's any question about that. Over 40% from three on uh, nine and a half attempts per game for uh, 36 minutes um, could provide a little bit of what JJ Redick gave Philadelphia, but with even more work off the dribble. So I, I'm giving you the hard sell Devon, but do either of those two guys interest you um, as someone who covers the Sixers team? There, there's interest in both because of their skill set. where Evan Fournier, his shooting would be welcome here in town because of, again, so much attention that will go around with everyone else. Uh, he wouldn't be a starter though uh, in this particular case because of, of Harris. Yes. Someone's going to have to go probably like Harris in this case, uh, but so maybe that would shift Fournier to to a starting role. But the shooting would be welcome. The playmaking uh, and getting that shot, sure. The contract, not so much, I, yeah. I don't think. Uh, because his name during the trade deadline before he was sent out to Boston, that was a name that was discussed a lot here in Philadelphia about adding to that team at that time uh, a couple of seasons ago. So, yes, understanding that. But don't don't see that as a, as a uh, connection right now. Derek Rose, sure, because of. The fact that he can come off the bench and the one thing, if you say outside of the backup point guard role, where I think Melton can handle those duties. And I do think Tyrese Maxey will also handle a lot of the backcourt back, back um, ball handling uh, when Harden is not in the game because they will make sure that they uh, have, you know, those guys will be on and off the floor at the same time, uh, different times and st- stagger those minutes between Harden and, and Maxey. Rose is scoring off the bench. If we said, Derek Rose, just please go get us a bucket, that's one thing that the Sixers, I think, lack uh, at this stage of, of the start of the season. That could be corrected later on. Maybe it's Rose, maybe it's Jordan Clarkson, who has been talked about a lot with the teardown of the Utah Jazz. That is that is something that uh, we'll certainly keep our eye on because Derek Rose's offensive production off the bench would be something that uh, they could absolutely use uh, with so many defensive players, so many players that are are, are uh, uh, specialists at what they do, 
for for their careers. I think that Rose, both of them, could yeah. could help in a way. Uh, it's just a matter of how it would get done and if the Knicks would be willing to deal in in division too and and strengthening the 76ers. Yeah, I think from from our perspective doing this podcast, really, we don't need the Knicks to be great this year. That, that that's okay. It's not the end of the world. But the the front office and and Tom Thibodeau, um, maybe even more so, have have delusions of grandeur that 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 could pre- prevent that. But I, yeah, I would so, love, yeah, go so go ahead. How, how do Knicks fans feel? Uh, I know it seems that people are excited about Jalen Brunson, yeah, and it's also seeing videos of of Julius Randle seemingly locked in the gym oftentimes how do Nick fans feel about this upcoming season I think there's there's optimism um there was certainly and it, it it varies widely based on who you talk to about how they think about the Donovan Mitchell trade at this mm-hmm. point and and a, a lot of people are like all right good I'm glad we didn't do it for that price we would have gotten ripped off we were giving him way too much young talent in in our pursuit of him and, and then there's other people like you know, you have a chance to get someone that young, that good, who wants to be here in New York. Who, who I mean, you could hear it now that he's in Cleveland. He still wants to be here in New York. Um, there, there, there are some parts that are like, man, you just don't get a ton of chances at a talent like that. So I, I think it's it's by and large cautious optimism. And, and, and the main thing stopping that from being full-on optimism is the continued presence of Tom Thibodeau and the notion that, all right, we, we've seen the same thing for three years now where he doesn't put a lot of faith in guys like Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly, even Quentin Grimes was, was sort of the one name, like after we heard all summer, all right, this dude is essentially untouchable in a Donovan Mitchell trade unless we're able to take maybe two extra first round picks off the table. We're like, all right, that, it's a sure thing he's going to start. And then Tibbs comes out tomorrow and or rather yesterday and says, uh, Evan Fournier is the favorite to start again this year. And we're like, what, what What are you talking about? You have you have basically a better defending version of him who's, who's much younger and who's much more likely to be part of the long-term future roster and, and you're going with Evan Fournier. So that's a big point of confusion and frustration. At least for me, it still feels a little Groundhog Day where as long as Julius is on this roster, even a better version of him just wow. doesn't make a lot of sense on a team where you're the two guys you really invested in, Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett, do their best work around the rim. That's where Julius Randle does his best work. That's where Mitchell Robinson does his only work. He, he really can't do much else. So that's going to be a big issue for them offensively. And, and I, I don't really see... Tibbs is being the coach who's going to figure that out um, unless Randall can rediscover his shooting from two seasons ago, which if you just look at all the numbers across his career is starting to look like a little bit of a fluke in, in that one season where you didn't have fans in the crowd and it was sort of a unique environment. Well, uh, again, just looking at it uh, from a bird's eye view. And as I said, just, you know, as a basketball fan first and saying, all right, there's a lot of clunkiness there. That, that may not work, where it will get you in the win totals in the 40s, and then you'll get into the play-in tournament, or maybe, you know, maybe get in there in that, as that sixth seed, because you do have talent. How does that talent mesh? And Jalen will help you out with the pick and roll, as you talked about it. So if, if Julius Randle, he and Julius Randle able to do that, Jalen is a, a very good passer. People see his scoring, he can pass, and, and he, you know, he's a tough player. He, he can do so many things and he, he can score in buckets. He can do a lot of things, but will it be, will it be accepted you know, to, as you talk about with some of the others that have been there already and, and knowing that Jalen is going to have the ball in his hands a lot of times. So especially when you're talking about end of quarter situations, end of half, normally it would be RJ Barrett or, or Julius Randle in the case might be Julie. It might be Jalen quite a few times and are they going to be okay with something like that? So yeah, uh, the, the, the build, uh, how they are structured seems a little off, uh, but 
Uh, we'll find out. I, I think to your point, the long term for the New York Knicks is really RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson, not Julius Randle. Yeah, and, and and to your point, it, it should be Jalen in those end of quarter situations. One, one of the most efficient scores in basketball, where where mm-hmm. RJ and Julius at, at least up to this point were were far from that. But uh, I'll, I'll let you go on, on this, Devon. Uh, where, where do you think Philly ultimately finishes? Um, do you have championship expectations for the Sixers? That's that's all it is here. Uh, uh, championship expectations, the aspirations are there. Only championship again, fifty wins expected now in the regular season. So that does nothing for the Sixer fans, does nothing for me as, as someone who was around the team so much that at this point, okay, yeah, go get your 50. We'll analyze it every game because there are 82 of them and we can't fast forward. It's always fun to break down each game and talk about it. But in the end, Gavin, it's all about the championship for this basketball team. They've done everything uh, possible and necessary to put the right group together, we think, from the start that should be able to eventually get it done. They are 10 deep and can go as far as 12 deep, depending on what matchups, what lineups Doc Rivers wants to put on the floor. As far as where I think they are in the East, I had them behind Boston and Milwaukee. I I, I would like to reserve judgment a little bit, only because with Boston and the situation that has happened now with Emi Odoka, of how they're going to, to uh, adapt to Joe Mazzullo taking over, as the head coach, while they like him, he's shifting over to another chair, and it's going to be a little bit different from what Ime Odoka had a year ago. So I had the Sixers around 53 wins, um, and I think that really could be a little bit higher. But I went 53 because there's so much talent in the Eastern Conference where they're going to just lose games from time to time, just like Milwaukee and just like Boston will. That's why I, I had the Sixers. Three seed, 53 wins, but getting finally getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, and the only reason I stopped there is because I just want to see how they do it, how who they match up against when they get there, how they do it. So I do see them finally getting past the second round. I like the collection of players that they have. They did a fantastic job this offseason. So much versatility, so much depth, much needed toughness that they so sorely lacked these last few years. Maybe it is time for them. Maybe this is the one that finally gets them over the top. Really like this basketball team. I will give them credit where credit is due. I will destroy them when I think it's necessary. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun season, though, with with them right there fighting with the Boston Celtics for the Atlantic Division crown and eventually uh, in the Eastern Conference crown with Milwaukee and Boston. Yeah, even as someone who covers an opposing team, it's hard to not want it for Embiid on, on some level, as, as we always say, one, one of the most likable stars in the sport and someone who, I mean, so clearly – puts the time in and and frankly is, is good enough to be on that stage and and, and deserves that stage I, I i for one uh if it's not the knicks I, I kind of want to see it but devon uh can you tell everyone one final time where they can find all your work because I'm, I'm sure we have plenty of knicks fans listening and i i know you you cover a lot more than just the sixers i'm in in your radio yeah. role yeah so my radio role uh monday through friday on 97.5 the fanatic 97.5 uh, 97.5 The Fanatic here locally in Philadelphia, 6 to 10, Monday through Friday, weeknights. Also do the uh, Eagles pregame show for road games only, uh, three hours before kickoff for the Philadelphia Eagles. I also am the Sixers pre- and post-game host. Uh, since we are partners with the uh, team, I, I am the Sixers pre- and post-game host on our flagship station, 97.5 The Fanatic. I do some work for them also on Sixers.com from time to time throughout the season 
And of course, right here on Locked On 76ers with Keith Pompey, every Monday through Friday, less than 30 minutes, we try to have some fun. And uh, Keith's been covering the team for 10 years. I've been around the team for 15 years. And we have, I think we have a pretty good pulse of uh, what's going on around the team. So yeah, that's where that's where everybody can find us. You can see the Twitter handle right there, at DevonG975. So hopefully uh, we can tap in and uh, get some Nick fan conversations going on uh, throughout the season. I'm a basketball fan, so I, I, I try to watch as much as I can and, and stay locked in with all 30 teams around the league. It's going to be a fun year, Gavin. It really is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it, too. You know, Christmas it, Day, it, man. Yeah, if they, I was going to say, if the, if the Knicks can sneak in a win, we'll, we'll, we'll get you back on when we're, we're all in a good mood. But yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Devon. Thank you so much for everyone listening. Uh, we will have one more uh, crossover with another Lockdown host before the end of this week. Maybe maybe talking a, a, a team that Julius Randle could go to in the Charlotte Hornets. But until next time, be good. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Lockdown Knicks.